Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I'm glad you brought that up because we want to get into your projects too, man. You know, <laughs> doing it doing it in the park and, you know, uh, with Bobito. How, yep. how, how how did that even come about? And, and well, just tell us about it. Well, you know what? Yeah. I mean, just to, to get a project some praise, there's never been a, another project that's been put out that talks about the culture of New York basketball like that in that way. Yeah. So raw yeah. and abstract. I'm talking about y'all at the courts and, and you're educating people on how many courts and tournaments it is throughout the summer. Like that's fucking nuts. Hoop Dreams, the podcast and Unlearning Network production. It's a glitch in the in the matrix, you know, these kind of films, you know, because, you know, like the, it's not a film you'd see on Netflix right now um, yep. because all, most documentaries are about like a fallen star, you know, like a champion that was supposed to do it and didn't do or somebody that has incredible successes, you know, and, and it's such a cultural film that uh, even pitching it to a, to a, a distributor right now is, is a nightmare because they, they can't even think there would be a community to support a film like that. Right. Um, but to, to, yeah, to circle back to, to Bobito and I, so from 2004 to 2009 I was, and 2010, I was contributing to Bounce magazine. And Bobito and I would connect in New York or sometimes in Paris because he was coming to Paris to, to DJ. And when he would come to Paris, the guy would be asking me, hey, let's play basketball. Do you have a gym for me? And basically, I would take like jet-lagged Bobito to a run and would, would play it with my friends, you know. Uh, and we, you know, like we kept the, the friendship alive through the game, obviously, you know. And, and 20 or 10, he sees Heart and Soul of New York City, uh, send me an email to, to write on a documentary about the game of, of 21. Mm. Which which I discovered in in New York City in 2004 for the first time. Like I didn't grow up playing 21. I didn't grow up playing booties up five two. All these specialty games you guys have in the US, we don't have them in in, in Europe because we we don't know about them. Uh, anyway, Bob asked me this, and and I tell tell him that maybe we should do something a bit more global about New York City, about the tournaments, about pick a basketball about got everything mm-hmm. and we decided to narrow it down to pick a basketball uh, because the tournament is a different uh thing it's like something a little bit more political and and different stakes and a little bit maybe a little less organic than pick a basketball so yeah he invited me uh the next summer to spend two months with him and start filming we we didn't write any treatment, any synopsis, any nothing. We wrote Bobito wrote a few questions. We discussed about the, what we wanted to do, but we discussed uh, about where to go. But basically, it was pretty random because uh, Bobito had a few questions on a post-it. Uh, I bought a bicycle. Uh, we bought some audio equipment, like the basic needs. Um, 
everything in backpacks. Like Bobito had the basketball and the boom pole across his backpack. And I had my camera equipment on my backpack and we would take the bikes out and we would exit the Bobito's apartment and say, okay, we go left, we go right, where do we go? And every, every day was more or less the same. And we basically, over the course of the first summer, we, we might have visited 130 courts throughout New York City. Wow. Um, interviewed 60 people. Uh, so we interviewed the New York City legends like Pee Wee, Fly Williams, um, Butch Purcell, uh, you know, all the old cats, you know, who basically paved the way for, for, for the young brothers now. And we bumped into Kenny Smith. We bumped into Kenny Anderson, uh, Dr. J. Um, I mean, the thing with New York City, especially in the summer, you can meet so many people. Uh, but what what we were interested in is giving the voice to to the average border, like the people who are basically playing in all these parks, you know, men and women who dedicate their life to pick up basketball. We are not expecting to become NBA superstars, you know, mm-hmm. and and that's the beauty of basketball and pick up basketball is that you can play it until you're 80 years old or even older if you want. Um, that's what I loved about yeah. it. You know what? It's so crazy that because, I mean, Will, you know this, uh, all the best players play on the playground because they felt like coaches would come there and watch you play and you you fuck around and, and impress a coach and you could get go from the playground to right to college. Like you ain't have totally. to go play. You ain't have to go play in no – you know, five-star basketball camp and none of that. Like this, this, this the hottest playground up here, the coldest players up here. So I'm going up here, and the college coaches knew that now. And, totally. And, totally. And so that's that's not the case anymore. But it just it's just fascinating to how, you know, there's still that that you know certain areas, regions in the world still have that but that basketball vibe, that basketball culture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Of outdoor, of oh man, you pick up your five, I got my five, let's go. You know what I'm saying? And it was about building your name. You know what I'm totally. saying? On the playground, it's hey, it's like you said, you could play the 40, 50. You know what I'm saying? You still got a name out here because you they you didn't put in work out here, and people have saw it. Totally, totally. And, and you know, like in a lot of places in Europe, it's still true. Like guys play outdoors, but but right now, what I I witnessed the most is it's in Africa, you know, like guys play outdoors because they don't have any other options. Like they don't have a gym. They don't have access mm-hmm. to a gym. Yeah. Sometimes there, there are no gyms. Um, and, and they are like working out. They don't complain about the, the concrete. And then basically they are exactly what the people in our countries were <laughs> 20 or 30 years ago. You know, like they were, they are competing outdoors in, in, in the hope to, to get, you know, like scouted, you know, and it works. It works. A lot of NBA scouts in Africa like now. <laughs> you do see it. I think that's what always made New York City basketball like. We've been asking the question, you know, what makes New York City basketball different than other yeah. uh, cities in the, in the United States? I think it's always been because of that culture of street ball and the playground ball where the top tier athletes still played every summer. You know, I recognize in a lot of cities across the United States in particular, once a guy make it, you're probably not going to see him back <laughs> on the playground court. <laughs> I mean, right. that's just the reality. But, but in New York, it's not 
it's right. not uncommon not- to see, you know, guy just won a slam dunk contest, you know, playing in the playground once the season is over, you know? That that's so true. And, and it's crazy because, you know, like in France we had like the um, uh Rodriguez Moses? Yeah. Yeah, no, we had like we had the two brothers, uh, the, the Greer, the Greer bros, Ricardo Greer and Jeff Greer, like two mm-hmm. guys from New York City, streetball legends over there, and basically they played in France for more than ten years and were MVP almost every year and All Star game, whatever they and they won like the French championships for years, you know. And what fascinates me with New York City ball players that they they play overseas during the season. And and then they are like right away on the asphalt of New York City, playing like two or three tournaments a day for the full summer. And these guys never rest. Yeah. They never rest and playing on the asphalt, not even complaining. So, you know, I think there are a lot of <laughs> NBA players who should get inspired by that because hey, I, I'm glad that uh, when I saw that the last dance and I know Michael Jordan, when he first, I mean, Will can attest to this. When Michael Jordan first got to Chicago, like he wanted, he wanted to be out in the city. He wanted to go to where all the ball players played at. So he, the dude had a clause in his contract that said, I'm able to play summer ball wherever. But but I like the way they termed it. The clause was called for the love of the game. For the love of the game. Yeah. For the love of the game. Yeah. Because I just want to hoop. That's I just perfect. You know, you know. So it's interesting because when we were doing uh, filming, doing Inter Park, like summer 2010, it was the NBA lockout, and right. yes, That's and this right. is this is the year when you have KD showing up to Rucker, scoring 66. And yeah, and you know, like the the night after 66 at Rucker, he went to Pro City and scored like 54, and uh, John Lucas the third like scored 64. And I was like, yeah, and I I filmed all that. I have videos of that. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. And and the, the thing is that that's when Nike decided to do Basketball Never Stops campaign. Mm-hmm. And we were already shooting doing Inter Park for almost a summer, and we say, "Hey, man, we we are ahead of our time because you know, like this is what Nike is trying to do now, so using the, playground basketball to do their campaigns." Look, so don't 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 tell me and Will the next thing is oh, and so that's what Nike hired us, hired us, <laughs> right? right? No, 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 no. <laughs> so, hey, so yeah, let, we, us, let us ask you yeah. about, man, your next project, the, the heart and soul of New York City, man. Talk to us about that project. The, so the, the one before? Or? 
uh, yeah. Heart and Soul was the video before, 2009. Was that before? Yeah. Was that before? Yeah. Yeah, 2010, and then doing it in the park, we really we finished the film 2011. Okay. Yeah, okay. doing it yeah. in the park is the one that just, like, is the last one. Yeah, so we are now celebrating the 10-year anniversary this year of doing it in the park. Um, yeah, so hopefully we can do something this summer. Um, so let me ask no, you, it, it, it never, it, did y'all get a distribution deal? How did y'all do that? So doing it in the park, so we shot the first summer 2011 and then i went back to we started editing uh that winter of 2010 and then we went back to new york city 2011 for a month and a half to shoot more stuff that we were missing including the the rikers island session where we went to the prison and play with the guys play with the inmates uh we filmed a few sequences on top of of, of what we we needed you know and 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 we finished the film 2012 did a year of, of festival. Mm -hmm. uh, we won like the audience award at uh, the Urban World Film Festival in New York City. And we got a two year, uh, two years deal with Netflix uh, for the US only. Mm. Uh, we got uh, broadcast on PBS. Uh, then we had like a few airlines here and there, uh, some like national broadcasts in different countries around the world. Uh, but the, the biggest thing we had was uh, Nike coming on board to, to support us as a marketing partner. And they paid us uh, a world tour of like 14 cities, 12 to 14 cities wow. to present the film, uh, do, do Q and A's, uh, play with the local ball players and do like playground tours. Uh, and yeah, like, so we went to, we did Chicago, we did Mexico City, we did uh, Taipei, Beijing, Shanghai, Manila, Tokyo, Paris, uh, Barce Barcelona. Um, so, you know, it, it was amazing uh, because you get to, to especially for me as, as a photographer, like trying, craving to go to some of these places, we, we got to, to, to go to present our film be the stars of the show, play basketball with the local guys, meeting a lot of people. Um, and basically it helped us, you know, like uh, recoup our money, our, invest our investment in the film, but because this film has been self-funded. Let me just translate that, AG. What all Kevin really was saying is, oh, they paid us a bunch of money to go around and hoop. That, that's what he basically was saying. <laughs> you know, he, he was like, that's yeah, true. you know, and, I, and he showed his movie while he was out there. I mean, hey. <laughs> that's true. That's exactly what it was, you know, and, and, and all that with, with, with Nike money. Kev, you've had an amazing life, man. And, and I want to ask you this because two things. One, I literally think, and, and AG, I want to get your, your pick your brain on this too. Kev, I literally think you, like you should be, you should have a vote like who's like the MVP of the NBA simply because of this, man, your experience and everything <laughs> you've seen. You've been all over the world. I mean, literally all over the world, man. Can you can you talk to us a little bit about? some of the difference in the basketball cultures that mm -hmm. you have seen. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, I think everywhere you go, it's different, I guess, even in the U S there are so many differences, but, um, 
I think uh, I would say between continents, the differences are more the most visible. You know, um, when I'm in Europe, you know, it's, it's clearly a lot about team basketball, um, most of Europe. But now, with in Paris, for example, it's changing a lot because we are more and more athletic, and you, you mix that culture of of team basketball. The, the game in France, at least, is, is shifting a little bit, and and that's why you see a lot of new uh, new kids coming from France. You know, like super athletic guys, like he, like Victor. You know, like Victor when Banyama is the perfect illustration of of European basketball right now because he's uh, coming from the African diaspora. Uh, but he was taught French basketball with the right fundamentals, exactly like Doncic got taught the fundamentals of the game, you know. But he has something special. He has that length and he has this like <laughs> alien type body, you know, like something that, uh, you, you you know, like uh, you don't see anywhere else. But um, so... In, in Europe, yeah, we, we still have this culture of team basketball and, and 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 tough basketball. When you go to Africa, it's honestly it's a lot of athleticism. Uh, the fundamentals, it's a long process depending on each country. You know, some countries are really well equipped um, to 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 teach the fundamentals of the game. And what I love about traveling is that you see the different body types, the different uh specificities specificities of each country in terms of yeah what kind of, of athletes it can produce right. when you are when you are in nigeria i think nigeria right now is the country that produces the most basketball players um i think there are a lot of them in in, in high school college in the us a lot of them in the nba right now but i wouldn't be afraid if like 30 years or 40, 50 years from now, like Nigeria becomes one of the top nations in basketball because of the athletes Ooh. they can produce. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a country of 220 million people. Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I would, yeah, I would say the game is so global now. I mean, it has, yeah. it has touched every part of the globe and not only has it touched it, the people have actually embraced it and it's become one of the leading sports, you know, professionally you know as these kids are in youth because they got a whole nike and and all the nba have got built the whole youth grassroots thing you know they got the africa league now you know i didn't totally. know i didn't know the philippines and asia was that big on basketball like they yeah they falling they like no i don't want to play soccer today so yeah the philippines is like 110 million people all basketball it's a, it, the game is a religion in the philippines and when you go there it's just like you think you live in a country where basketball is number one or everybody loves basketball no like go to the philippines you see what it is like the real passion they have for basketball is insane um wow. the thing too they have this they are like really resourceful because they know how to build hoops from nothing like damn like a milk crate for a Filipino is something fancy. <laughs> no, but I mean, I mean, honestly, like they would take anything like a bicycle rim and, and two pieces of wood and boom, you have a, a hoop on a coconut tree and, and they would play on barefoot, you know, in the middle of traffic. And, and that's pure love. Like the, the purity of the love they have for the game over there is insane. And, and, um, Wow. As a photographer, obviously, it's 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 insane for me to shoot this because to document that, 
uh, it's a country like I honestly like could could live for like ten years and and shoot all the courts and but it's impossible. It's it's so many hoops everywhere. I just gotta ask you this, Kev. You you, you know we gotta put you on the spot with one of these questions uh-huh. because you are a world traveler of the game. Does America still have the best basketball players? Um, huh. That's a good question. I think in terms of uh, athleticism, yes. In terms of basketball IQ, no. Oh, wow. Mm. Who holds that spot? I mean, guys from Eastern Europe. <laughs> yeah, guys like from you, Eastern Europe. <laughs> yeah. No, and it, I mean, it's tough to say because, I mean, right now you have two prime examples of that. You have Jokic and Doncic, you know, like guys who basically don't care if there are like five guys defending against them, they, they'll score anyway, you know, like they, they'll play with you, you know, like you can be the most athletic defend, defender, you know, like playing against Doncic. Doncic is going to, to murder you doing like fundamentals and, you know, like doing stupid stuff just because his IQ is superior. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. To everybody, like, um, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, like, LeBron, LeBron has a great IQ too, but uh, LeBron has just a massive body too. So Chris, Chris Paul has an amazing IQ, but uh, I don't know. You have a lot of good players in the in the US. That's undeniable. But uh, what's coming from overseas now is, is quite dangerous. Like even Embiid, Embiid is is super smart and and the way he analyzes the game. You know, like I think that's what is shifting in modern day basketball is that the guys from outside of the U.S. are, are well and better trained than what they used to be. Man, you, hey, you know who I'm just, I just look at his game, Luka and Jokic. <laughs> they, they, they not going to wow you with the athleticism and nothing like that. But I'm talking about these, Jokic look like he could walk into a move. Like, here, I'm just going to dribble, blow, dribble, yeah. my back down. Oh, you going to go for that? I'm just going to pump fake you this way, come over here, reach over, just, you know. It's just real fundamental, real smooth. Yeah. But 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 I think what, what lacks right now in the in the U.S., well, I mean, um, it's maybe the winning culture, the, the will to win games and, 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 and do it as a team. You know, I think... You know, I think this is right now in the NBA. It's it's pretty, pretty odd to. I mean, I don't know. Well, I mean, every, I mean, everybody's searching for that Golden State juice in a bottle. You know, Golden State kicked all that off. You know, swinging the ball, playing together. You know, you know they really they they you know really with the super team of how to play. You know, with make the whole team happy and get minutes and all that. They people start trying to, you know, mimic that. But they, but they couldn't. But what Golden State is doing now is basically uh, a product of the Popovich school, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. like the Spurs, the Spurs paved the way for that, and and the Pistons, and the Pistons, you know, in the the 2004 Pistons, and 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 now you have you have Golden State. The Raptors are trying to do the same thing too, you know, playing team basketball, and and the Nuggets, and you know, like all these teams, I think, who understood the value of playing 
hard nose defense, playing team basketball, you know, like it's paying for them. Yeah. Playing 10 guys, that's going to bode well for you going into the playoffs because you got your yeah. five on the court and you know you have a bench that I can totally. plug one of these one of these dudes in from the bench and we ain't going to lose no, no muster. Yeah, totally. The, and maybe one thing I would say with difference in Europe is that we don't really celebrate guys who score like 40 points a game. Yeah. You know, like, you see, you see what I mean? It's the goal, like, uh, don't sit show uh, Jokic in Europe. Like, they wouldn't care about scoring 40. Like, they, they would care about winning the game. And if they score like 15 points, it's okay. But the thing, the culture of highlight and, and the culture of how, how many points you drop this weekend, you know, like, the thing is that it's what's killing American basketball at some point. The kids only only care about scoring a lot of points, but they but they lose the focus of it's a team sport, you know. And and the the more you'll feed your teammate, the better they'll they'll become, and and you can win as a team. You know, it's interesting you say that. I remember when I was working out with Jordan, and we would play these games, and at the at, as soon as the day was over. Only thing Jordan would ask was, but how many games did you win? How many games? Like, he he wasn't even concerned about it. He was like, yeah. yeah. But, he said, yeah, but we beat y'all six out of, you know, <laughs> you know, seven times. Like, you know, he's like, how many games did you win? Like, you don't see that because I think in America, basketball now, the hard work is to make it. And once you make it there, the branding becomes the work at that point. Now it's selling my shoe. It's selling my my clothing line. It's selling my, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, nothing against those guys from doing it. I think it's great entrepreneurship and all those other things. But when you can sell the fact that your brow goes across your face, like, <laughs> you know, in America, you can market anything, man. That's I mean, it's true. Like, that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I mean, that, but that's what American basketball in a sense, is becoming now. And I just want to get your take on this. Um, With that being said, with the NIL deals, now it's dipping into the high school levels. Mm -hmm. Do you see, do you think that will continue to water down the game of basketball or will it improve it in some way? So the thing, you know, like, so even your own story, guys, like you grew up in a system where education is a business. Like you grew up in a system where, okay, you're not good enough on a basketball court. Uh, we can't keep you at school because you, we can't give you a free scholarship. Like, <laughs> like we grew up in a system where school is free, you know, like, and, and, and in the sport, like basketball is something that you do outside of school. So it's, it's a different culture, you know, in that sense is that, you play amateur sports until you're like 12 or 14. Then you integrate like a, a bigger club, which has a, a training center for the, the, the best prospect. But still, it is something you don't stop studying and you don't have to pay for school either. It's like you, you do sport and school are two separate things. Um, so, you know, like even watching... I rewatched Hoop Dreams recently, and 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 I was like doing the parallel with with Europe, and it's it's crazy the way in the US, you know, like yeah, education shouldn't be something that you have to pay for, you know. 
it's but um yeah regarding the the system in the u.s i I'm, i don't know enough about it i guess um but uh i think from what i i understand from outside i'm not sure the aau is something that is uh something i'm not sure it has a lot of benefits i don't know i'm not i don't know enough of the au but uh I think it, I think it has some good I think it, it has yeah. some good things and some bad things with it but the most yeah. good thing is that you have a lot of kids playing basketball. If they playing basketball, if they playing basketball, they not somewhere else. You know what I'm saying? And especially if they love it, if they like it with their friends. That's true. That's true. And some yeah. of them don't get to travel, you know, if they, if they mama say, "Hey, if you give me all A's this 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 school year, I paid a thousand dollars for you yeah, to travel that's with true, that. That's true. You know, that'd be great for that kid who got bad friends that's, you know, yeah. hanging out. I think it's great in that aspect. Yeah, true, 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 true. But you know what they call AAU, right? They call it the necessary evil. Ah. Well, well, because the thing is, on one level, kids got well, kids, kids gotta play. Because if they don't play, they don't get the exposure. Totally. And if you don't get the exposure, then you can't get to whatever next level that is, whether it's division one, two, three, NIA, whatever it may be. So it's, but what comes along with that, I like to, I like to put it this way. Like to me, there's, there's two sides of life. The one side is you get the promotion. Everything is great. Everything that comes with it, you get the scholarship, you can get the job, whatever it is. But then it's the other side of the promotion that you got to deal with, you know, um, Screaming parents in the stands. You got to deal with, <laughs> you know, you know, players on the team getting jealous of each other because they feel like there's only one scholarship available in the whole world. You know, it's, it's you know, it's like all that goes into this one melting pot, man. It's, it is, it's absolutely crazy. But I agree with you, AJ, AG, and I agree with you, Cam. It's, it's, they got to do it because if they don't do it, like yeah. you say, AG, they're gonna be. They could be doing something else, and we don't want them doing anything else. And it's like you saying, Kel, yeah, it, it's they do it, but you know, are they getting what they need out of it? No, for sure, for sure. And the thing too is that from our our perspective in Europe is that since everything is a business in the US, AU is a business, and all, uh, kids here like they play in clubs, you know, and. If they're good enough, they go at the higher level. You know, you work your way, you way up, and you you get scouted, and and then you you go in a big club and become pro. But uh, um, our market is like so small compared to you you guys that um, uh, yeah, like there are like so many kids in the US who need to play basketball and 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 do a sport. What I like about overseas is, and I and I guarantee you, if me and William story was set in Europe in the UK. So, oh yeah. Not me, but they would they would say William at the age of 14 you can play on you can play on the the the, the national pro team here, the the country's pro team at 14. Yeah. Like so now Will been playing with grown men since he 14, 15, 16. Now the NBA didn't hear about William Cates, and now he's 17, 18. He's going to get ready to go to the, to the... Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
NBA and be like, put his stuff on display. That's crazy. Yeah. But I, I would have loved that. Like Rubio, Doncic, you know, like Parker, all these guys, like they played, they were really young when they were playing pro, you know, and national team too. Um, you know, I think it's weird because we grew up playing outdoors with grown men, you know, like we, on the, on the playground, we grew up playing guys who were like 40 years old, you know, and, 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 you know, like, I think, yeah, the NBA, I mean, for the NBA to, 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 yeah, I guess now they're opening their doors to young guys, but, uh, um, yeah, it's two different cultures. <laughs> it, it definitely is two different cultures, but, um, Kev, I know we had you for a while, man. We just got a few more questions for you, but we want to touch sure, sure. on your, your latest project, man. Black top memento. Yes, Talk sir. to us about that, man. You know, yes, sir. Um, so the book that Mr. Ag got that I ain't got yet, but you know, you ain't hear that from me. No, that's fine. You, you don't worry. I, I have I have a, a good version to send you guys. Let me show you uh, because the real the real package is this one. Um, it's a I it's like a, a, a frat. A fragment of concrete, um, so it's pure, pure concrete. Um, really? But yeah, uh, I, I love, I love, you know, for the people, for people to get a, a fragment of concrete, you know, with the book. But um, now this project is um, is basically a, a compilation of seventy six uh, playgrounds textures that I shot around the world wow. for the past for the past like twenty years, um, you know all around the world. So I have the GPS coordinate in there, you know, like I'm saying everywhere where it is, but uh, it's, it's an abstract perspective on, on, on playground basketball um, to show like the, the passage of time of the, the humans without showing any humans, you know, like people playing and, and altering, you know, like destroying this course, uh, uh, erasing the paint, you know, with the sneakers. And, and I think it's, um, uh, when you look at these photos, if you're a ball player, like you, even though you don't know this court or this court, you just have these remembrances of, of playing on these specific surfaces, you know. And I think that's why I did it, you know. It's more something a little bit more sensorial for us ball players, you know. It's like, okay, oh, I've seen it. I've played on that, you know. I know these colors or I know these lines and these approximate paintings, you know, and, and um it's none of these photos was touched up like these the original artwork from when you snapped the <laughs> camera right like up close with the, with the concrete and all that and cracks and yeah. all that yeah exactly um but you know like i've been gathering so many archives for the the, the past 20 years that i can do like four or five books if i want uh with different teams um so that's what that's the process i'm i'm trying to do right now is to do more work for me and to, to spread the, the vision I have um, and also contribute to the culture. I think it's important to, to create, you know, um, pieces for, for, for basketball culture that are something else than NBA culture or, you know, or pro basketball culture, I think. And then on, uh, because, on the back wheel, look what he got on the back. These are actually pictures abstract joints right of the of the pictures inside the book yeah the lines all the lines from the photos yeah man first of all i'm just kev i'm just impressed with just man the path that you have been on because I'm, I'm sitting there saying like 
I mean, it's almost like, man, it's like poetry in motion, man. Like you, you've been telling this life story of sports for so long. And, and now we get an opportunity to see it because again, I hate to say this, but sometimes in America, we can get so much caught up in our own Americanness that we don't think that, you know, others are out there trying to live their hoop dream, whatever that may be. And totally, totally. And, and the fact that, man, that you've captured this, man, we're seeing, you know, <laughs> basketball courts, dirt courts. Like I've seen some of your pictures, man, where, you know, rims are, you know, made out of, you know, wire tubes. And I mean, it's just, it's been insane, man. And you're saying all of this, so the book you have right now, your Blacktop Monumental, it's just the courts only. Yeah, it's just like these fragments and really abstract because I think, you know, like I tried to to present basketball under a new light and maybe for fine arts uh, exhibitions and galleries, you know. Um, uh, yeah, so this one is, is this. Uh, the next one will be about Hong Kong uh, because... The thing, the crazy thing about Hong Kong is that Hong Kong has more basketball courts than New York City. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, I did a map. Wow. It's crazy. And wow. and the thing is that Hong Kong is a really like dense city with tall buildings, uh, lots of colors. Uh, but you have like 1,500 basketball courts that are in public parks, but also on top of parking malls on top of malls, on top of parking lots. Uh, they have like creative ways of building basketball courts that are insane and all like colorful and, and you know, like always in uh, in a great shape. You know, it's, it's quite insane, man. Um, so trying to, to do a book that will, will be in between uh, photography and urban planning, you know, trying to understand like why so many courts uh, why the creativity on on the way they build them and the relationship that people have with basketball courts, because they all live in small apartments and they all like congregate to the basketball courts, you know, to play and and you see like guys who are like eighty plus years old guys like playing basketball, wow. which is, which is not something I see everywhere, you know. So so the next book is this. I have another book to do about the game around the world which is the easiest one for me to do because i have so much content content but i still it's like some it's almost like you know an endless mission because i have so many places i haven't been to and that i want to to go to before like completing the work um it's just that i'm getting old i have old old knees so <laughs> you, I, honestly i got old uh, knees Nah, but honestly, like the, the most frustrating thing about being a ball player and a photographer is that you shoot all these places, you you shoot all these games, and you 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 don't even play, you know, like you're not even on the court because you're like behind a all camera. Right, and camera. You, you see, like the I, I always have this basketball, you know, like itchy feeling, you know, like you want to play, you know, like even that's why I don't even go watch a lot of NBA games or pro games is that, uh, you know, I want to play. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, I always, you know, like, I don't know for you guys, but me, I always feel that I'm in, in shape, enough of in shape to play with pro guys, which I'm not, you know, at all, you know, but, uh, right. you know, like, you, oh yeah, I could hold my own, you know. Right. You got that, <laughs> you got that, well, AG that still does today. play. 
Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. AG yeah. <laughs> still that. get out there and play. He's still playing. Yeah. Now my old yeah. knees, my now my knees, I didn't got two knee replace surgeries. I just I wow. just kind of watch. But but Kev, real, real quick, man, um, before we get you up out of here, what's Asphalt Chronicles? So Asphalt Chronicles was my first project. Uh, originally it was a a blog, uh, sort of website that I started in 27, 2007. Um, the goal for me was to do like a sort of a road guide of playground basketball around the world, um, where I would like list all the best schools, um, uh, where to eat, you know, where to sleep, you know, like sort of like, you know, lonely planet guide, you know, for basketball players, you know, mm. and, um, and it basically shifted into this independent magazine that uh, I try to publish when I have time, where I do like one issue per per city. So I did one about uh, Dakar in Senegal, one about Manila in the Philippines, one about Paris. Um, and I have enough content to do so many more. It's just I don't have the time. But uh, uh, now I'm trying to to push the the the. the the story with like photo prints and, and even like collab products that I'm doing with, with people from the basketball industry. I did a collaboration with friends in Japan with a basketball brand called Bolaulik. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's fascinating. Like Japan has a small like playground basketball community, but like they are so active. They have like their own like five on five tournament, three on three. They do like brands, like apparel brands, basketball brands. Um, so, you know, like through my travels, you know, I meet all these people um, who basically, yeah, love the game as much as we do and, and, and do amazing things that are maybe not uh, heard of in the U.S., but they are like big in their own markets, like big in Japan or big in the Philippines. And, and it's- Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Quite amazing. Like the more you travel, the more you meet people like that. So it's yeah. quite surreal. I would I would love to see that because the fact that think about that, AG. You can pick up a book, magazine, whether you're blogging it or whatever it may be, to tell you where you can go hoop, mm-hmm. go eat, <laughs> go hang out. I mean, come on, man. That. That's that's the perfect guy, and then he called it Asphalt Chronicles. I mean, that's that's dope there. Well, listen, <laughs> Kevin, man, it has been a pleasure having you on the show, man. I was I was excited about this because I hadn't had an opportunity. We hadn't talked in a while, and um, plus, I want to give you a hard time that AG got some books that I didn't get, so I want to make sure I get me some books. But my man. My I, man I'll come got, in person. Yes, yes. <laughs> bring it. I'll take that. I'll take that. But my dog got one last question for you. All right. Kev, what's the next chapter in Kevin's hoop dream? Uh, huh, the ne- I mean, you know, like the next chapter is all these books, uh, honestly. Um, but I'm currently pitching a sequel of Doing It in a Park, uh, more of a, of a form of a documentary series. Uh, I can't really talk much about that, but, um, but yeah, that's the ultimate dream because, you know, like we are about to celebrate the 10 year anniversary of our film this year. And, um, and I'm not somebody who is going to direct a lot of films right? because I'm, uh, I want to do the films I want to do, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and 
basketball is what has been driving me for all these years and, and that keeps driving me. So um, hopefully like, you know, somebody in the US like understands where I come from and, and the expertise I've built with these like 20 years of traveling and, and trying to provide a global picture of the game throughout the world. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. Um, and then I, I have another project, you know, with uh, Giants of Africa. You know, the Masai Ujiri's uh, non-profit, which I've been involved in uh, since 2016. Um, we go every summer, you know, on the continent uh, to do basketball camps and find the next uh, Embiid and the next Akim, you know. So uh, that's one of the most enriching thing I've done for the past, like, eight years, you know, like going to Africa to to see the game grow, you know, um, because, you know, uh, of course you have the NBA Africa League that is emerging right now, but the path to go to arrive to that league was decades of non-profit and, you know, like grassroots organizations building up basketball to that point. Mm -hmm. And that's what is super interesting about Africa is that, you know, it starts from volunteer work and now like the NBA is like taking over, um, which is really interesting. Also, Kev, tell everybody, our listeners, where they, where they can go and uh, get copies of your work, go see your work, uh, give us, you know, tell us your Instagram and your website where they can both go buy the book. Yes, sir. So my Instagram is kev.coulieu, pronounced coolio. <laughs> Uh, and they can check my work on uh, my website, kevincoolio.com, but also go on asphalt-chronicles.com uh, where they can find the book, the magazine. Uh, yeah, so anybody, feel free to reach me out. And, and yeah, I'm looking forward to, to meet you guys again, but in Chicago this time. All right, Absolutely. all right. Yeah. Hey, hey, AJ, you see that? You see that photo? That that photo he got, not the photo, the the um the sign he got. It says uh oh. we we the north. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's relics, relics of, of the of Masayoji, you know, like I gotta represent the Raptors a little bit. Oh, that's uh, but no, but but look at this court. Like this court oh, is I one of the most back there. Yeah, this one is one of the most beautiful courts, you know, in New York City. Where's that at? And it's not New York City, it's on Jersey, on the Jersey side, you know, oh, like okay. you, that has the skyline view. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that, man. Wow. I'm the gold of my era. I've been a trending topic. I'm as fly as a feather. My pocket's macroscopic. See, with time, I get better. I'm always in the action, kid. No, I got it locked from Chicago where the toughest live. Concrete jungle, earn my stripes on the pavement there. You make it here, then you can make it anywhere. No comparison, your game is embarrassing No one can touch me, I'm all but going there again Yeah, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate More faith, think I'm balling like I'm Martha A.G. I'm box office and one day they gon' have to pay me Yeah, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate More faith, think I'm balling like I'm Martha A.G. I'm box office and one day they gon' have to pay me Hoop Dreams, the podcast, an Unlearning Network production. Written and produced by Arthur Agee, Will Gates, Matt Hoffer, with audio engineering from Matt Savage. 
For more episodes, check us out at www.unlearningnetwork.com. Gotta be a dog to survive in this cold weather. Ice in my veins, no need for a warm sweater. I'm coming forward, all best believe I won't let up, yeah. Hey, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm balling like I'm Martha Agee. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me. Yeah, I think I'm balling like I'm Will Gates. I'm hoop dreaming, trying to fight against a sealed fate. More faith, think I'm balling like I'm Martha Agee. I'm box office in one day, they gon' have to pay me. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.